This is the MyMac Podcasting Network. MyMac Podcast 361, six years and counting. You're listening to the G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. Welcome to the MyMac.com podcast. This is number 361 in the ever-increasing amount of madness that is podcasting. And uh, I've Gaz isn't here tonight. He, he's on vacation for the next two weeks, left, leaving me to my, uh, to my own tender mercies. But fortunately, I've got someone to, uh, to help fill in because leaving me to my tender mercies is not a good idea for anybody. I've got Rick Stringer here. How are you doing today, Rick? I'm doing great, guy. Thanks for having me on. Now you have—you're not exactly a uh, a podcast virgin, as I like to say. You actually had your own podcast for a very long time. Yes, that was uh, Variant Frequencies, and had it going for five years. You—I mean, you—you you guys really, really had some amazing stories on there. You had the uh, the, the the failed cities monologue, and and all, all this stuff is still online, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, so if if you want to hear some some terrific podcast fiction, go on over to variantfrequencies.com. And and how do you spell that because my spelling sucks. Uh-huh. All right, yeah, well, it's a long one. V A R I A N T. Uh sequences S E Q U E N C I E S. And uh, com. of course we'll have we'll have it in the show notes for all those who uh, who who didn't grab a pen and piece of paper as just as rick was saying that well you took me by surprise on that. <laughs> it's what I, it's what i do man it's what i do <laughs> so uh now we were talking before the show and you haven't updated to lion yet have you no and is there is there like a, a particular reason is there some software that you use that that you know isn't line compatible or are you just kind of waiting for the for the for the kind of, like the pine cones shaking out of the tree so to speak uh, all of the above. I, I, I have in, in my day job, I have 24 Macs that I have to maintain. Is that all? Yeah. I, I've got that here in this room. No, yeah, not I'm sure really. you do. <laughs> not really. <laughs> but I, uh, and, and so I have to be careful about making these upgrades is if I do jump into it, and, and something doesn't it's work. Not, it's not working. I got big problems. So <laughs> I have to make certain like the entire Adobe Creative Seat is working with it. Right. And, now, now what what exactly is your is your 9 to 5? I'm vice president of Corbin Design. And Corbin Design is uh what we do is what's called wayfinding. And so the almost, easiest almost sounds can, like a quest. Yeah, sort of. The easiest way I can explain it to to people is uh, we work with uh, universities, hospitals, uh, big corporations, even even cities, and we help people. We help them come up with a plan on how you're going to get from point A to point B to point C. Okay, and so then we design everything that goes along with that. That can include uh, maps. It could be uh, signage, a website, kiosks, 
stuff for your iPhone or your iPad, what, whatever is appropriate for that particular client. So you have you have all these people on hand or on call that you can call up to to make wh whatever it is that a client needs. Exactly. Right. And your president's name is not Frodo or Bilbo Baggins. Uh, no. Okay. No, well, no, just needed to not. clear that up. Yep. And um, the uh, programs like, you know, all of the entire Adobe Creative Suite is very integral to what we do. And so I have to make sure that any upgrade is going to work with that. Uh, another major application that we use a lot is FileMaker, which... Long-time Mac users probably know what you know, are familiar with FileMaker sure. at least, and so uh, we have to make certain all that stuff is going to work properly before I make any big major upgrade. <laughs> what's the What's the hurry? It's not like I have to do this upgrade because the software I have that I need isn't going to work in Snow Leopard. Well, that's true, and. All things considered, that's an attitude that I should have applied to myself prior to updating myself to Lion because uh, my podcasting setup is very, very different this week uh, than I've done in previous weeks because right after, of course, you know, everyone who listened to last week's show knows none of my software continued to work after at least my podcasting software continued to work after I updated to Lion. And I decided to go the uh, the simple route until Ambrosia uh, gets a fix in for some of their software. And I actually have something from uh, John Champlin, who is their their PR guy over there at Ambrosia. I talked to him yesterday on the telephone, and uh, we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit. But why don't we uh, uh, jump into what's new at the mymac.com podcast? Uh, my, did I say mymac.com podcast? Mymac.com website. First up is uh, a new pocket-sized podcast, number 27, by Scott Wilsey, and that's Thoughts on iOS 5, Part 2. I love that. <laughs> uh, uh, also from David Weeks, we have the PowerSkin Battery Case for iPhone Review. And from Suze Gilbert, and I can't play her little soundboard clip, and that makes me so sad. It's the Adobe Touch iPad... Oh, wow, this is a tough one. Adobe Touch iPad apps for Photoshop CS5 review. Now, you know, iOS apps should not have that long of a name. <laughs> they just shouldn't. It just doesn't seem right. Uh, we got some feedback. Are, are you on the same page with me here, Rick? Are you looking at the, 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 the show notes? Oh, I will be in a moment. <laughs> well, believe me, we're, we are. We're zooming right along on the fly. Uh, we got some feedback from Twitter, and I think I'm going to use this pick as the, uh, the graphic for the show this week. Uh, Steve McShane titled a picture that, shows, that showed jazz, or jazz, Gaz jumping off a cliff after last week's screwed-up show. And I put a little note here saying, quite frankly, that could have been me as well. The, the the real funny one came from uh, David Cohen, who is the one of the co-hosts over at the Tech Fan Show, and he sent this to both Gaz and myself. He says, "Listen to to the last show. What are you going to do for an encore? Follow the iFixit guide to disassemble your Mac five minutes before the next show." <laughs> oh my my! Now, 
uh, just a moment ago, I was talking about John uh, Champlin from Ambrosia Software, and this was concerning some of the utilities and Lion compatibility. And this is this is the uh, the the message that I got back from him. It says. In Apple's latest OS update, amongst many major back-end changes, the means by which audio was routed through your Mac was drastically altered. What this means for third-party software companies like ourselves is that Apple has eliminated the way our product functions by limiting our ability to access certain components of the machine. For instance, application-specific audio is no longer able to be captured in products like Wiretap Studio. At this time, only Mac Audio, which is what I'm doing right now, is able to be captured. This is due to the fact that all source audio is now mixed before our software is granted access to it. Our development team has been hard at work seeking a solution, but so far, Apple has not provided much in the way of assistance. We are sorry for any inconvenience this might have caused, but rest assured we are actively working on a fix and hope to have one in the extremely near future. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to write to our PR guru, John. His email address is pr at ambrosiasw.com. And I thought that was uh, that was pretty decent of him to send that to me, and, and he he also put me on the uh, the beta list for both Soundboard and uh, Wiretap Anywhere, which is the you know the two programs that that I need the most in order to to do the the general wackiness that is the MyMac.com podcast. Now, when how 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 did you do the podcast back in the day? You turn. Mine was all GarageBand, but I I never had to deal with trying to do two people at the same time. Yeah. So people would basically just send you in their pre-recorded, well, well because when you had like multiple people mm-hmm. recording parts of a story, mm-hmm. would they just record their parts and then you'd have to mix them all together later? That or- is correct. I spent uh, many many hours editing most of my shows. Well, I could imagine because half the time. You know, it, it would basically just be one person saying a line, maybe what pausing for a second, and then mm-hmm. saying whatever their next line was. And yep. in that pause, you'd have to split it in GarageBand and then put in the other person's part. Yep, that's pretty much it. And then the, I, what I would usually do is I'd I'd get all of the audio gathered up from all the different voices and put them all in the right spots, and then I'd go back and listen to that and balance it all out as best I could. Which was sometimes a challenge because they're all coming from totally different sources. Right. And, and probably some, not even mixed the same way either. No, some are much better quality than others. And, well, you know, that's kind of the, the way it goes. Nature of the and, beast. And the way I tended to, to do our stories helped in that I would put in bed music and sound effects and... and and so forth. And those things actually helped kind of cover some of the flaws. <laughs> well, looking back on it, uh, would you do it the exact same way or would you try to like to do it through Skype and have people going at the same time? Uh, for, for my stories? No, I would, I would, I would do it exactly the same way. It, it's for, if you could have everybody in the same room, and recording it like a, a live radio show type of situation, which you know there are some podcasts that have that luxury. Yeah, that that would be the ideal thing, you know, because people are playing off of each other and able to work with each other. 
But, but I, doesn't that the, sometimes kind of change the story as well? Well, sure. If they start kind of going off script. Well, yeah, but most of these people, they're they're going to be more professional than that. Okay, um, that's probably why you never asked me to, to do any voices. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, I go off script quite a bit. Yeah, well, with, with storytelling, you, you usually can't get away with that. So, um, <laughs> but working with the... With our people, and most of our stories were just one, one to maybe maybe three or four people at the most. Right. Um, the the stories where I had any any people a, a number of people bigger than that were pretty rare because we weren't doing in general we weren't doing um, um, audio drama. You know, we're we're just doing storytelling, and sometimes we would bring in some extra voices for some of the stories. So it it. it it was very different from something that is a true audio drama. Well, now, whatever happened, because I'm, I'm actually a big fan of old-time radio. Do you know who um, um, Robert Morris is? Um, I know the name. Yeah, he did, uh, like, oh, God, what was the name of that, that show he used to do? Tony Randall actually did a voice for him. It was, it was Jack, Doc, and Reggie. I Love a Mystery. Oh, okay. Yeah, I Love a Mystery. And if you guys can find that through uh google or whatever it was you know totally over the top and completely campy but a lot of fun and you know because mm -hmm. i mean radio used to be almost all daytime dramas and mysteries and you know ghost stories and and things like that it wasn't like all the top 40 djs giving you the latest hits of today and tomorrow That's that right. even your boss wants to hear well and there are lots of podcasts out there that that bring back that old time style. Like one that comes to mind for me is decoder ring theater. I decoder ring. Th now are these new stories or is this kind of uh, going into the vaults and finding old stuff and bringing it back? It's, it's all new stuff, but decoder ring theater, they're, they're all original things, but they, um, they, they, they've produced them brand new and, but they're they're but they feel like old time radio. Like they do, um, they do detective stories, and they they have these stories of what they call the uh, Red Panda, which they it was takes place during uh, World War Two, uh -huh. and and the Red Panda is uh, Canada's greatest superhero. Oh, kind of like the Wolverine of the day. That's right. And, uh, <laughs> what, there, what was there, the name of that one again? Decoder Ring Theater. Highly recommend it. Great if you if you like old time radio stories. You can't beat them. How long have they been around? Uh, Decoder Ring Theater's been around probably six years at least. Wow. And uh, they, they've been around a long time. They've uh, won awards. They're also, I know that they're also on the radio. I couldn't tell you how to find them on the radio, but just decoder, decoderringtheater.com. Yeah, you could probably find it right through their website. Yep. Now, um, I, I'm kind of curious, you know, because you, you, you stopped doing variant frequencies a year or two ago. And when you kind of came out of the blue and volunteered to be on the podcast, because I haven't seen you in a couple of years, I was like, oh, yeah, Rick Stringer, man, I'd, I'd love that guy. Where's he been? You know, and, and are, are you thinking about getting back into it or is your life just too busy right now? I am. I'm not getting back into podcasting on a regular basis just because of my current the way things are with my yeah. life. However, I've been doing some guest narrations uh i did one on pseudopod i've done a couple for um redline theater and um 
there's some fun stuff coming out with that. I, there's another uh, podcast that's going to be coming out that I, I can't tell you much about other than the it's story. Not out yet. <laughs> right. And the story is, uh, is based on the thing. You know, if you're familiar with. Those, oh, yeah. It, it, with the, the it was, uh, what, a 50s kind of monster flick that John Carp Carpenter remade in the 80s. Right. And there's Kurt a Russell. new movie be being made now. And uh, so this there's a, a story that I'm working on that I'm I'm doing one of the characters in that. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. So. And do they do they do the same kind of thing with uh, their like audio story podcast that you did with varied frequencies where you kind of just record your bit and send it into them? That's exactly what they're doing. Yeah, yep. just I guess that's just the easiest way to take care of it. Now, do do they ever call you to do like like edits or to do you know redo certain parts? Either it didn't sound the way they expected it to, or they wanted to put extra emphasis on a certain part. Sure, that happens, and, and that can be a real challenge to 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 record yourself to sound like you did a month or two ago. <laughs> do you have to go back and listen to it first? Sometimes that that can help, yeah. But even then, it can be a challenge. So, but you're 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 not going to be getting back into podcasting, other than oh, doing these guest bits on other shows. I'll never say never. <laughs> okay, Sean Connery. <laughs> uh, on that note, I'm, we're going to take a little break here. Now, I can't play the audio clips that I have live like I used to in the past until certain programs from certain companies get updated for Lion. Uh, but the first one here is going to be a call from uh, Andrew Hall. And we also have, if you guys remember from last week, Gaz was having uh, some problems with mail in Lion. Well, he found out what it is, what the problem is, and he's going to tell us about it now. Hi, guy. Gaz here. Well, I thought I'd send in a little sound clip. I just can't let you go without hearing my voice for two weeks. That's just too much. Anyway, on last week's show, uh, the disaster that was, actually, I think it sounded all right, to be perfectly honest with you. But anyway, I mentioned that I had a problem with mail in Lyon. Well, I tweeted the problem that I was having, as described in the show last week, and both Pat Mann and Peter Upfold, uh, and if you remember, Peter came on the show while you, while you were away a couple of weeks ago and uh, co-hosted with me, both said, well, why don't I try and remove the Apple Mail P-list from my preferences uh, folder, um, and then just restart Mail. So obviously, I shut down Mail, I went to the Finder window, uh, I went to go and then in the uh, go to folder, which is shift command G, I then typed the tilde key uh, forward slash uh, library. And it took me obviously to my uh, library folder, which is not normally shown in Lion now. I then went to um, library preferences, scrolled down until I found the plist file, which was com.apple.mail.plist. I removed this from the location, put it onto my desktop, renamed it so that um, the system didn't try and relocate it, reopened mail, and hey, voila! All of those links that I was struggling with, uh, or any files that I tried to open in any messages that I got in mail, then opened correctly as they should. So it was a matter of removing the plist and reopening mail so it created a new plist 
and all works wonderfully. Super. Hope you're having a great show. Speak to you soon. Signing off. Stand by to stand by and I'll be right back. Because I refuse to limit my screw ups to the live show. Uh, I don't actually have a call from Andrew Hall. That was a message he sent in last week and it was still in the show notes. Apologies. Sorry. And thank you, Andrew Hall, and thank you, Gaz. Uh, don't know what I could add to what Gaz said, since he kind of fixed his own problem from last week. Uh, the last thing that we're going to talk about before we go into our first break is uh, under the section that, that Gaz and I like to call Tech News of the Weird. And the weird tech news for this week is that Actually, I think uh, last month, this is August 2nd that we're recording this, but in July is the sixth year anniversary that I've been podcasting for MyMac.com. Now, on July 14th of 2005, on MyMac podcast number 34, uh, at the time, uh, Tim and Chad Perry were doing the MyMac.com podcast, and this was this was number uh, my Mac podcast number thirty four. This was kind of a watershed for the podcast in in a number of ways because not only did I start doing my, my dashboard minute, but they had new th professionally made theme music from Kevin Reeves, which we still sort of incorporate it to, in some extent into the podcast. And, you know, again, I'm going to give Kevin Reeves here a quick shout out, KevinReeves.net. And you can go on over there and hear the music that he does. But the Dashboard Minute, <clears throat> which, oddly enough, Rick, was never, ever one minute long, <laughs> was, you know, this is right when uh, Tiger came out, 10.4. And at the time, Chris Seabold was doing this segment on the mymac.com podcast called Not Mac News. I don't know if you if you if you remember that one. I do. And it was it was brilliant. Chris had this this deadpan delivery that was just perfect for the crazy mixed up completely fictional stories. Now you want to talk about great fiction. <laughs> Some of the stories that Chris used to do with Not Mac News just used to crack me up and he had the perfect delivery for it. And, of course, you know, I was a writer, well, I still am, even though I haven't written anything in a while, uh, for MyMac.com. And I kind of wanted to, to get in on this because it, it, it was just like one other way for me to kind of spread my, my somewhat small creative wings. So I came up with this, this Dashboard Minute idea. And I, I made my own music for it, such as it was, and recorded it. And the very first one I did had two widgets in it. It was Scenario Poker and the Wikipedia widget. And as, I, as I'm looking back on this, now this particular one that I recorded for them was like almost 12 minutes long. And if you go back, there'll be a link in the show notes so that you can listen to this. If you skip ahead to the seven and a half minute mark, that's where I was. But though, of course, listening to the whole thing is, is certainly worth it. There were some There were some things going on here that was kind of interesting. The very last Macworld Expo on the East Coast was going on at this exact time. The Macworld Expo in Boston. And it was the last one that IDG had on the East Coast. And I really wish they would start another one. Did you ever go to like the New York or, or Boston shows, Rick? 
The Boston was the very first uh, Macworld Expo I ever went to, which, and I'm trying to think, it was in the 90s, maybe 90, 95, maybe? I'm trying to remember now, but um, yeah, so that was, that was I, I never went to the New York versions. Yeah, actually, I had never gone to the Boston one because they went from Boston. I think they had a couple in uh, Washington, D.C. that I never made it to living here, of course. But I, I, I belong to this organization called the Washington Apple Pie. It's a local user group here in the D.C. area. And they would charter like three of those big Luxo buses mm-hmm. that would leave like at four thirty, five o'clock in the morning and drive up to New York. And then you'd spend like the whole day at the Macworld Expo at the to Jacob Javits Center there in New York. And then about six o'clock, we'd all pile back on the buses again and come home. Stopping. We, oh, you know, we used to stop. And of course, this has absolutely nothing to do with Macworld Expo or the MyMac.com podcast, but this is how we roll. There was, there was a restaurant that they used to stop at in New Jersey called Mastori's. And it was, he was also, you know, this place was also uh, a caterer. But the first time that I, I took this bus trip, and I did it two or three times, we stopped at this restaurant, and we all pile in, and they hand us these, these like, seven, eight-page menus. And, Rick, there must have been over 100 entrees, different entrees that you could order mm-hmm. from this restaurant, everything from scrambled eggs to lobster. I mean, he pretty much covered, covered the gamut. Whatever type of food you were interested in, they had it there. Lobster omelet. Lobster omelet. Boy, that sounds like a B-52 song. <laughs> and I think on that very odd note, we're going to take a little break. So everyone, please stand by to stand by. And we're going to be right back. Sailing away on the crest of a wave, it's like If you remember Tim and David from the old MyMac podcast, you might want to listen to TechFan. What we do on TechFan is we have a broad scope. We like to talk about all aspects of technology, not just Apple stuff. Okay, Tim, that's really, really annoying. Can you stop that, please? We were supposed to do a promo. I was just, I was saying promo. We were doing a promo, but we don't need to say the word promo. Promo. Thanks. Tech fan, listen to it. Don't listen to him. Promo. Frantically looking up the plural of defecating, the G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. And welcome back to the MyMac.com podcast. I'm still here with Rick Stringer. Now, you know, a lot of times, Rick, I almost wish I would just leave this thing recording the whole time. Because there's so many interesting conversations that happen in some of the breaks. And one of them, uh, you were talking about 
how you used to record on your computer and you, you've pretty much stopped doing that now. Right. So what's your, what's your method now? Well, um, I have a MacBook pro, which is a wonderful machine. I love this computer, but what it can happen is when I'm recording, it can suddenly decide to get noisy. The fans will kick on and, and I have to deal with that. And when I was, when I'm trying to do, story podcasting you don't want all that extra noise unless of course that's an effect you're after but not you not normally right and uh so i uh i stopped what i did was i i picked up a sony zoom h2 which um boy today you can get them pretty cheap about 110 to 150 dollars depending on where you're buying it from and it's a portable digital recorder um it's not considered like the best digital recorder out there in the world, but for my my needs, I've found it to be great. Is it's it's perfectly quiet, and so I can shut down my computer or put it to sleep, and just record on the Zoom H2, do all my recording, all all my my voiceover stuff, and then I just dump that onto the computer, and then I do my editing in GarageBand. Works great. And so it's got its own built-in microphone. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about what about like uh, equalizer controls or anything like that, or or like a uh, uh, con- not contrast, um, uh, like either a fade or uh, stereo, right left channel, all that other happy stuff. Well, it can record in stereo, but if I'm recording just myself, I I don't need that. Right. So so I just record into one microphone and. Then I do. I bring it onto my Mac, and in there is where I do all the any fades or right the heavy lifting any effects and stuff. Yeah, I do all that on GarageBand because once I've got it in there, I don't care if the bands are going there; they're not going to affect my my audio. Now, how, how does it output it? Is it MP3 or is it an AIFF file? Uh, they are. You would ask me that. <laughs> what are they? I don't they know. Are, they are... And what kind of car do you drive? Yeah, I know it. How much gas is in the tank right this minute? Exactly. I'm trying to remember even what they are. Um, good question. Well, I'm sure it, 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 I, yeah, it, it's got to be one or the other, because mm-hmm. if it was like some type of proprietary Sony, no, Sony yeah. format, then you wouldn't have been able to bring it into GarageBand. Well, yeah, no, I just I just put plug it on into my computer and... It brings up a, you know, just looks like any other hard drive on my computer, and I can drag those files right into GarageBand, and away I go. Um, in fact, yeah, they're WAV files of what they are, actually. Oh, Windows Audio files. Yep. Huh. But but those come into GarageBand just fine. And there's no, like, degraded, because I guess a WAV file, is that lossless or is that lossy? Never mind. You know what? I'm we're not, getting I'm we're not getting a true into, audio yeah. file. I'm really the guy to ask. Yeah. And how many gallons of gas do you have in your car right now? That's what I want to know. That's what our listeners uh, want. To in know. my car, at the most ten <laughs> gallons. That's, that's the most it can hold. Oh my. Okay. Um, we're going to get into our second subject right here. <laughs> and there have been over the last couple of years a lot of lawsuits between major corporations, typically about 
patents that one company or the other hold. There's currently a big one between Google and HTC, uh, between Oracle and Apple. And as a matter of fact, I was just reading the other day that a potential lawsuit between Samsung and Apple is preventing the release of the Galaxy Tab tablet in Australia. They they basically were getting ready to release it, and because of a potential lawsuit between Samsung and Apple, they just they pulled the device. So I guess you know the the, the question is, are these patents and you know and besides the ones between the big companies there are what's kind of known as holding companies do you know what i mean rick that that basically they they apply for patents with this like wide net and they hope that someone will develop some kind of technology that's relatively close to what their patent is saying and then they turn around you know having never made anything themselves they turn around and sue the company that actually created something. Right. And currently, you know, Apple had won the first round of the patent fight with HTC running Android. And if they're successful, chances are that, that Apple will go ahead and sue other Android phone makers as well. And as far as Google goes, their patent battles aren't over because Oracle is also suing them for patents they hold on certain aspects of the Java program java programming language that android is is allegedly violating and i guess one of the questions i have is, is all this necessarily a good thing for apple that some of the cross you know, eventually they'll come with some kind of cross-platform deal and a lot of it will go away but if apple is left alone for the look and feel of ios as compared to other smartphones will they become lazy and not try as hard to innovate as they kind of did with the original ipod because you know the ipod was such a dominant device for the for audio for digital audio in you know the earlier part of the 2000s that it seemed like almost every other company stopped really trying that hard to compete with them and and to me anyway and I don't know how you feel about it but it seemed to me especially like in in 2004 to 2008 that Apple wasn't really innovating that much with the iPod it almost seems like they felt like okay well we won this battle so we don't really need to do anything more what do you think? I think I think they were focusing more on the next version, the the iPod Touch and the iPhone and all of that, and and so the iPod, you know, the old click wheel and all that stuff. That sure. was just old old technology. That's all it is. I I don't think it was them, you know, feeling like oh hey we've won this battle. They were moving on to the next thing. And well, that that I guess that's kind of what they're known for. But I just. I you know besides that I think back to the the 90s with how stagnant the Mac OS had become for a while and that they couldn't really update it to a modern OS because of how much they'd already put in. I mean it got to the point where they had to bring in outside help in the case of, you know, the next corporation and Steve Jobs to come up with a with a new OS strategy for them. Now obviously it all worked out for the best as far as Apple and the Mac and, and the Mac users go, but it was it was a very near thing there for a while because they spent like five years trying to come up with a coherent strategy to improve the Mac OS, and just nothing seemed to work. 
So, well, of course, we're getting off the original subject, which was right. patents. <laughs> and, right. And it, that's kind of what we do here as well. Now, I guess, <laughs> do you think that, that it's time for some serious patent reform in the U.S. as these companies are scrambling to patent everything from, from ways to answer email or one-click shopping, and that so many of these patents are awarded for things that are blatantly obvious from either a user or, or a user interface viewpoint? Well, yeah, there, there are a lot of games that are played with that. And um, it re, it's reminding me of, you remember a couple of years back, I'm trying to remember who the company was, but they had actually pat- patented like the, 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 basically the way the, the technology for podcasting and all of these podcasters were up in arms about, Oh my God, we're, you know, these guys, we're going to, these guys are going to shut us all down. Um, God, I'm trying to remember, you know, I wasn't prepared to be thinking about this, but uh, I don't know if you remember that happening. A few yeah, years. yeah. As a matter of fact, I think the patent got thrown out, didn't it? Right, but but there was this this whole For prior uproar. prior or prior art or something. Yeah, yep. And everybody getting all upset and worried about it. And yeah, it's just there's so many games these companies play with that stuff. It, when you think back to it, can you remember a time when Apple wasn't being sued or suing somebody else for some patent. I mean, the the whole sue me sound in your your Mac comes from their whole battle with Apple Records. Oh yeah, the so sue me noise. Yeah. The beep. Yep. <laughs> now, now I it, on one hand. I can understand why Apple and Sony and HP and all these big tech companies, because, I mean, you're always reading about these big tech companies that are uh, that are applying for a patent for some process that they supposedly just came up with. But then you actually look at the process and you sit there and say, well, what's so innovative about that? I mean, it's just a, a way to get from point A to point B. But the, mm-hmm. I guess the problem lies in if they don't patent it, somebody else will and sure. then turn around and sue them. Like right. you have this lawsuit going on right now from essentially a patent troll company called mm-hmm. Lodesys that Apple actually already paid to license their patents. And now they're turning around and suing iOS developers for violating the patent that Apple already paid them for. Right. And Apple is currently you know, saying, no, you know, they're covered under the patent agreement that, that we have with Lodesys. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think that it, that it really is time for some serious patent reform in the U S mm-hmm. as these companies just are going crazy with this stuff. I, and I don't understand why the patent office doesn't have more technically minded people to review patents like this and disallow them for either it being an incredibly stupid idea or that the company hasn't released any products or because prior art means that, you know, another company has already come up with a way of doing this and you can't patent somebody else's idea. Right. So, well, is what can you think of any answer to all of this? You know, does the, the patent office here in the United States need to, to review their processes and, and come up with a better way to do this? Well, I I don't think you should be able to patent something until you've actually got something physical to show for it. Yeah, but part of the pro- part of the problem is is when you when you apply for a patent um 
the moment you apply for that patent, everybody can see it because this is all, you know, none of this, I know. none of the patent requests are secret. Oh, I know. And people are always posting Apple's latest patent online and all that crap. Right. I, you know, it's funny. I always wondered how many of those were just things like, you know, somebody at Apple going, oh, can you believe that? I wonder if somebody will actually try to make something like that. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, look, oh, uh-huh. my HP just tried it. What a bunch of fools. Sure. sure. So, well, there are certainly uh, theories about how they'll sometimes they do that just to throw people off. As to what they're doing next. Right. Yeah, that could be. But, you know, I think you're right in that you know, if uh, you cannot patent something unless you actually have a, a working product to show. And I yeah. guess the only kind of downside to that is if two companies come up with a similar idea at the same time, who gets the patent? Now, both companies have, have put out time and money and, and engineering effort to create, you know, whatever it is that company A and company B has just made. So who do you get the patent to, or do you award like a co-patent if it's like within two or three months? Yeah. Well, when you really think about it, unless there's some, you know, corporate espionage going on, what are the odds of the two companies coming up with the exact same thing without it already having been put out there at the exact same time? Exactly. So, yeah, they might come up with similar things, but they might be different enough. I don't know. I'm no. I'm no lawyer, so I'm Thank God. Not, not the person to answer that. You know, need to talk to my brother for that. I was gonna say I wouldn't have you on the show if you were a lawyer. I do have some standards, <laughs> as low as they are. <laughs> okay. Um, well, you know, you guys can contact us at, at all the the usual sources if if you have any questions or comments on the whole patent issue. And uh, I think we're going to take our second break, and then we're going to come back with our last little bit. So everyone, please, for the love of God, stand by to stand by, Patton Pending. And we'll be right back. Skywalker, Jedi Knight and friend to Captain Solo. Are you lonely? Is there a girl you've had your eye on that you want to hook up with, but she doesn't know you exist? Well, for $99.99, the Luke Skywalker Jedi Council of Love can get you that girl that you want, but even more desperately need. The way we do this is by meeting with you in secret. During this meeting, you give us a name, location which the target can be found, and a picture of the target. We will then send one of our many Jedi to first hunt down your girl of choice and then use our Jedi mind trick to make the girl of your dreams a reality. So call 1-888-JEDI-LOVE or visit geekiestshowever.com for more details. So put those days of mastering the Force choke behind you by getting in touch with the Luke Skywalker Jedi Council of Love by listening to the all-new Geekiest Show Ever. Wizard! MyMac.com podcast. It's an interesting affair. 
And welcome back to the last segment of the MyMac.com podcast. You know, that almost sounds like, uh, did you ever listen to uh, the Nocilla cast with Allison Sheridan? No, never heard that one. Oh, it's such a great podcast. This is going to sound like a commercial for the NosillaCast podcast at podfeet.com with Allison Sheridan. And the mm-hmm. reason why I say it like that is every single time I've studied it in the past, I've screwed it up. And then I get then I get nasty audio messages from Allison saying, no, 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 it's the NosillaCast podcast on podfeet.com. So now I've got I've got it like burned into my brain. It's like muscle memory. So, uh, yeah, if you get a chance, Rick, uh, check out that podcast. That's okay. a great podcast. I will. Now, in this last segment, we're going to talk about, um, very, very briefly, uh, iCloud, which has been released to some developers, and at least the, you know, the early version of it. And along with that is some pricing for the extra storage. Now, with MobileMe, you got, f- uh, what was it? Uh, MobileMe was... 10 gigabytes for free? Yeah. And then if- well, well well yeah, but but it it's no lo- it, it well, then it changed to you had to do what $100 a yeah. year. Yeah, it was uh let's see, it was uh started off for at $100 for 20 gigabytes, something mm-hmm. like that. Right. So with iCloud, you get the first 5 gigs for free and with that 5 gigabytes if you put in pictures or audio content that you've gotten from iTunes, none of that counts toward your five gigabytes. It's just the other stuff that you may upload from your own computer that that goes into that five gigabyte limit. And as compared to mobile me, now you had to pay like an extra hundred dollars for uh no, I'm sorry, let me let me get that let me start that again. The the service was a hundred dollars and you got 20 gigabytes for free, but that was at the hundred dollars. Well, then it's not free. No, it's not free, but I mean, it's, (laughs) well, it's thrown in, you know, you got 20 gigabytes for a hundred bucks online with iCloud. You get five gigabytes for free with the extras priced at $20 for 10 gigs, more $40 for 20 gigs. And if you pay the same price, the hundred dollars, you get fifty gigabytes of online storage, which you know that that's that's not bad. Now, how it's all going to work as far as syncing your various devices go, that's the part I'm not really sure about yet. And I, you know, unless I'm wrong, I'm not sure Apple has really spelled out how all the services we used to get with Mobile Me, which is going away is going to compare to services that they're going to include in iCloud. What do you think? I think that the the synchronizing services that we currently have, like for your iCal and your mail and all that, I think that's going to be part of it. That's just why would they want to take that away? That that you, you need that connectivity between all your devices. So yeah. I think that's going to be there. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're getting rid of iWeb. Okay, so they're they're not going to be doing well. Have well. they have they actually said they're getting rid of it, or have they have they just not updated it? Which well, I guess is kind they, of the no, same thing. They they said they are getting rid of it. Okay. In but you've got till twenty sometime in twenty twelve. Well, no, no, no. What I think what they said they're getting rid of iWeb hosting. Oh well, that yeah, that's what I meant. Okay, okay. So you can no longer upload your iWeb sites that you've made. Mm-hmm. 
you know, easily through MobileMe, which was one of the selling points of iWeb. However, you can still use the program because you can, you can kind of, you can publish that and then that'll come out as, uh, HTML files and all the rest of that, which you can then upload with an FTP program to, you know, whatever, whatever online account you have. But it's not this, it's not the one step process that MobileMe was. Sure. And, and having been a former iWeb user for when I first started my podcast, I can tell you that you, you don't want to go through that process. You, you want to you start building your site with something else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is there something you use now? Uh, um, well, depends on what you're talking about. For, like, for my podcast, I switched over to WordPress. Okay. A few years ago, if I'm gonna build, if like building my site for my company, I use Dreamweaver and a combination of Dreamweaver and 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 WordPress. So have you have you tried any of the other other uh, relatively easy to use uh, website builders like Rapid Weaver or Sandbox? Have you have you looked at those at all? No, I've had no reason to. No, I, that's true. Yeah, now, I, you, you I, probably yeah, have people in your company that that do most of that. You're talking to them. Oh, that's you. <laughs> so on top of being on top of being a VP, you're also the uh, the webmaster. Yeah, well, it's a small company and yeah. and IT manager. Yeah, I am. And who brings the coffee in every day? Oh well, I don't touch the coffee. <laughs> well, thank God, thank God. There's something that you're able to delegate off to somebody else. That's right. <laughs> I go out for my coffee. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess uh, iCloud is is still kind of a question mark. So I we're all kind of I wouldn't say holding our breath, but we're all kind of waiting to see what direction that Apple's going to take with it. So you think you think that they're going to still include a lot of the services that were there that was there in MobileMe, but if you if you just have the the regular iCloud account, that all of this will be free as long as you don't go over that five gigabyte limit. Yeah. Yeah, so, I I think your your mail, your calendars, that stuff's going to be there, and you know, and so in a way, it's actually saving you quite a bit of money. You're not having sure. to spend that hundred dollars hundred dollars a year for the the basic services that Mobile Me brought, if they include that in iCloud. Right, that's what I'm thinking. Okay, well, I'm glad I said that then. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, why don't we skip ahead to our picks? Now, uh, you've got a pick here that I've never heard of this program before. Can you tell mm -hmm. us about it? Well, it's called Sync Pro. That's S-Y-N-K. And I've actually used versions of this software for many years. A uh, little bit of background on how I use it. Uh, for my company, Corbin Design, we have... Uh, that's uh, CorbinDesign.com, or is that uh, .net? CorbinDesign.com. Okay. That's right. Ding. Um, <laughs> Win $100. That's right. It uh, Sync Pro is for synchronizing uh, computers. And I have, for, for many years, we had an XServe as our primary server in our office. And then we have uh, off-site, a, a, another company hosts our older XServe, and we were doing... And we had a, a fiber connection between the two, and software was older versions of Sync Pro that 
synchronized between our main server and that backup server so that if some disaster happened at Corbin Design, we have an off-site version of our stuff so that we could be up and running pretty quickly. Well, um, when Apple discontinued the XServe, and I was at a point where my server, my XServe was five years old, and my backup server was 10 years old, and I mm. knew I had to do, do some something. Upgrading. Yeah. So I picked up the, they've got the Mac Pro with uh, Mac Server built into it now. Yeah. And well, the nice thing about that is unlimited clients. Right. Well, I had unlimited clients on my XServe as well. Yeah, that's true. And um, they also have the, the Mini with, the server software on it. So my new setup, which is really pretty slick, it works very well, is my main server is this big, monstrous Apple server. I, I wish it was the Xserve form so it would fit in my rack. <laughs> yeah, the Mac Pro is, isn't exactly an easy rack-mountable type of computer. No, it's not, but uh, the machine rocks. It, it's one fast computer, I'll tell you. Yeah. So, so I have that set up. Um, in my local office, and then on our offsite, we I have a mini with a RAID um, connected to it, and this program Sync Pro is just watching my server all day, and it's looking for any changes we make on the server, and then it goes and connects to it's it's connected to we have a, a VPN connection to where that mini is located. And it's taking any changes we make on our server and making them changes those changes on the mini all day. It's just going to, as we make changes, it's going through and making them, and it works fantastic. Well, now, when you app. make when you make a lot of changes, or you suddenly create a very large file, which is relatively easy to do with with mm -hmm. Adobe's creative projects or products. Yep. Mm -hmm. How does the the is there any problem between the speed difference between like a Mac Pro and this offsite Mac Mini that you have to consider? Does it ever get like kind of backed up at Corbin Design when it's going offsite to the other computer, the Mac Mini? As far as getting backed up goes, the 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 you know or or slow any kind of a slowdown. Yes, the 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 backup that the synchronization that's happening to that Mini isn't keeping up with what we're doing while Live. we're working. Right. But it I can actually monitor it and see what it's doing. And yeah, yeah, I can might see, you know, a hundred files that haven't that are waiting for this big file to go. And then when it it shows me which file is being processed. And it once it gets through it, then it moves the next one in line. So yeah, they might not be exactly up to date. So yeah, it, the we have the fire at three o'clock in the afternoon at Corbin Design that wipes out our server, so the mini might be an, an hour off. Right. You know, but I still have that entire. You have everything else. Everything else up until that point. And I, I'm guessing that as like five o'clock to seven o'clock, as things start to slow down, they they pretty much at that point get in sync. Yeah, it gets caught up. Yeah, until the next morning when you know the whole process starts all over again. Yeah, but it just it just keeps plugging away. I'm really happy with the software. There's uh, the standard version is forty dollars, and the the pro version is sixty. And 
it's totally worth having it. The, the, uh, I, I have the pro version just because I you know, wanted to make sure I had all of the the full features. And it's uh, I've used it, like I said, I've used it for many years. It's a great program. But is there is there any real difference as far as functionality goes between the regular version and the pro version that that you would be missing otherwise? Um, you know what what is it that that made you decide I need the pro version? Yeah, I'm trying to remember now myself what the difference was between the two. Well, I'll tell you what, why don't you look that up, and I'll talk about my pick real quick. All right. Uh, this is actually kind of a cautionary pick, and the reason why it's a cautionary pick isn't because the program isn't great. Uh, this is and this is an old, old program that, that was recently updated, and here I go, pimping for Ambrosia, again, oh, Ambrosia software again. They really should be paying me for this. It's EV Nova, which they updated... Uh, a couple of years ago, they got out all of the PowerPC code, so it's a pure Intel program now. It will run under Lion because I, when I was talking to John, I told him that that the one of the programs that I really missed was EV Nova because when I've looked at the version that I had on my computer, it, it gave me the little no symbol, which meant that I, I couldn't run it under Lion. So I, I very sadly got rid of it not realizing there was a new version out from a couple of years ago that runs just fine. So I went ahead and downloaded that, and I'm happily destroying ships all over the galaxy once again. The reason why it's a cautionary pick is, and I don't understand this either, is Ambrosia hasn't changed the price of this program in a very, very long time. It's $30, which honestly is just insane for a, a game on a Mac that, that's like this. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I don't understand is why they haven't put this in the Mac App Store. This is such a fun game. So that's a cautionary pick. You, you can download it for free and give it a try. Uh, eventually, Captain Hector, which is this like kind of an AI ship, will come in and uh, start to nag you, and then he'll start to fire at you if you don't buy the regular version. <laughs> but it, it is a fun program, and it's one that has I, I have been using in one form or another. It started off with Escape Velocity, and then Escape Velocity Override, and now Escape Velocity Nova. From going, I, I'm going guessing going back to the late 90s. I mean, that's how old this, this, this program's genesis is. But I've, you know, anytime I've got a, a, a few spare minutes and, and I'm on a plane or, or someplace where I just want to do something kind of fun for a while, EV Nova is one of those programs that I go to. And I just, they really, really should drop the price, but it's a great game. Fun. Oh, it is fun. Uh, did you find that yet? Uh, I'm still looking, trying to find exactly the. the okay. Well, why don't, why don't we just say that there is probably an excellent reason <laughs> to choose to, to spend the extra twenty bucks? And I mean, we're not talking about it's. It's not like the difference between Photoshop Elements at seventy five dollars and oh, yeah. Photoshop for six to seven hundred dollars. You know, th this is the difference between forty dollars for the regular version and sixty dollars for the pro version. Right. So whatever those differences are, I'm sure it's it it's worth that twenty dollars. That's right. And Gaz has a little thing in here. He wanted to remind people that we're trying to start up this thing called the People's Picks, where you guys send in your best apps, and it doesn't have to be Mac. It can be Mac or iOS. 
And he started us off last week with, you know, because kids are going to be going back to school soon with the iStudies iStudies Pro. So if you can, send us your best student apps in time for the new school term. And if we pick your app, you will get a Woody Award. Do you know what the Woody Award is? No. It's a certificate that I have created for when people do extraordinary things for the MyMac.com podcast. They get this special handcrafted Woody Award. And the best part about it is it doesn't cost me a dime to send it to you through email. Hmm. However, you can only get the Woody Award by doing something remarkable with the or for the MyMac.com podcast. So eventually, if uh, Ambrosia Software ever gets wiretap anywhere and uh, soundboard working, I will send John Champlin a Woody Award. There you go. <laughs> now, um, we also have a Facebook page that you guys were up to 70 likes on the Facebook page, and that is just outstanding. And we'd like you all, if you can, if you're on Facebook, is to go over to our, our Facebook page, and that's facebook.com forward slash podcast, really easy to find, and just hit the like button. It just lets us know that you love us. And that's, <laughs> and that's important because we're all so insecure. Uh, we're also looking for more if you can, and this really helps us out as far as, as our iTunes pickings go, is to go over to iTunes and leave a comment, you know, good bad, indifferent, whatever, in iTunes. We need some more likes there as well. And uh, Rick, uh, if someone wanted to get a hold of you, how could they do it? Uh, just call you. Call me? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. just call. And it's 703. I'm not going to give that out. <laughs> no, I can be found. My, my podcast is still out there. You certainly can download every episode that we ever put out there. It's at variantfrequencies.com. I am also, I'm on on Facebook and Twitter, and you can find links to that stuff from even even from the Variant Frequency site. Well, what's your what's your twiddle 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 hander? What's your twiddle hander? Yeah, my 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 Twitter handle is VF as in Variant Frequencies VF Rick, and uh, or if you're more interested in the designs design aspects of my life, then it's uh, Rick underscore stringer at, at twitter so at i have twi two, two twitter accounts and i am on the twitters at uh mac parrot and this is usually where gaz gives a big squawk but he's not here this week so sad uh you can reach me also through mymac.com you can send me an email at guy at mymac.com you can send gaz an email at gaz at mymac.com and you can find him on the twitters as all the hip kids like to say at twitter.com forward slash gazmaz and if for some reason you're unhappy with me or unhappy with gaz or or you're really just completely delighted with us you can send a, an email to tim fearless leader tim at feedback at MyMac.com. And Rick, I don't know if you know this or not, and this is so important that I, I can't believe I've never mentioned this on the podcast before. We have a Skype telephone number. Oh. We do. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Well, do you see? And that number is, and please call it, uh, Eddie Spaghetti actually did call this week, but the, the message was a little bit garbled. And I'm actually, uh, uh, next week we're going to have Eddie... And 
Oh, goodness gracious. How awful. I can't remember the name of the other person that's going to be on the podcast next week. Well, while you're looking that up, I did did find a couple of the, the big reasons I, w- I wanted with Sync Pro. One of the one of the major reasons is you can sync more than two locations together all at once. So I I do use that to back up. I take uh, other little servers I have in my office and use Sync Pro to to comp- combine those backups. It's really pretty cool. That is cool. Uh, because Gaz isn't going to be here next week, we're going to have uh, Eddie McGee, Eddie Spaghetti, and I got. I hope I say this right, Reb. Belef Belef Belefernich. I think I said that right. Reb Belefernich. He he actually lives relatively close to where I do here in Northern Virginia, and uh, they're both going to be on and give me a hand with uh, with gas being gone. And I think uh, that's about going to do it for the show tonight, Rick. Thank you so very very much for coming on. I had a great time. Well, I'm glad you did. I hope this 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 will get you back interested in, in you know doing the podcast again, baby. Yeah, you never know. Hopefully I didn't sound like too much of an idiot. <laughs> no, no. Well, believe me, on this show, hardly anybody would notice. <laughs> so thank you all so very, very much for downloading the podcast. And we shall see you, not Gaz, but myself and, and Ed and Reb. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thanks for downloading the MyMac.com podcast. Please send all feedback to feedback at MyMac.com. Or call our Skype number and leave a message. The phone number is 703-436-9501. If you enjoyed the MyMac.com podcast, make sure you check out the other family of podcasts, all from MyMac.com and all free on iTunes, including The Geekiest Show Ever, App Minute with Sam Levin, and Tech Fan with Tim Robertson. Said an envious erudite ermine, there's one thing I cannot determine. When a girl wears my coat, she's a person of note. When I wear it, I'm called only vermin. <laughs>